They took all their anger against the French and they said, we will never give up. And they didn't, and we had to leave. So study history so you don't make stupid decisions. Out of the ashes, you will rise. If you feel sad, lost, depressed, finances are in the gutter, social life, you're lonely. Out of the ashes, you will rise. Here in my garage, invest in yourself. Always be curious. Don't be a cynic. Sleeping on a couch in a mobile home with only $47 in my bank account. When everything's burnt to the ground, when you're sad, lost, and depressed, and everything's at rock bottom, you get to rebuild the exact and precise way you want the damn thing rebuilt. Health, wealth, love, happiness, each of these four goals. In case you missed the last episode, make sure you go back and check it out. Here's what went down. So they pay a million bucks once for the right to play a, replay a movie over and over and over. Coming up today, he said, if somebody's a jerk, I don't care how much money they have. Get out. Okay, welcome to episode 102 the Ty Lopez Show. I'm here with Zach Cookman, and I'm here with live studio audience. We're live also. We were live. You're listening to the recorded version, but the live version, we had a couple hundred thousand people on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter live. So in the future, you can catch me live if you want to ask a question. We've been doing some giveaways. My last episode, we just finished recording. We talked about should the rich pay more taxes. We talked about what I think is the only answer to that question. We talked about taxes, how to pay less, but do it right. We talked about how to get investors. Now, here's what I'm gonna talk about today. Episode 102 is my stories, story version. And one of the problems in life is that they ruined us when it comes to history. They ruined us. I remember the school system just destroying. I mean, think, what do you remember of history? in school. What did they teach us? The Civil War. What'd you learn, Zach? The Lost Colony. The Lost the, Colony. The original 13 colonies. I grew up in North up. Carolina, so yeah, they, they focused on North Carolina history and the original 13 colonies. Wasn't it Roanoke? Wasn't Roanoke. that his name? Yeah, yeah. Even though Roanoke is in Virginia, but he went to North Carolina. That's well, interesting. Did he end up? The Lost Colony, was that in Virginia? I thought it was North Carolina. Yeah, but I'm saying the city of Roanoke is now in Virginia. Right. Zach's but, mind is blown. But, <laughs> Zach is going. But was it Roanoke was the lost? I don't, I don't think Roanoke was the lost colony, was it? Maybe not. Roanoke was the, one of the explorers. Yeah, yeah. What did they carve into the tree when John White came back? John Smith came back? All right, you can tell we're real experts on history here. <laughs> we're struggling, but uh, I'm going to talk about what I know about history. And history is so exhaustive, you can't know everything. I, what I like, and this is what I recommend for history... Focus on what you enjoy. I enjoy war history. Why? Because the biggest struggles in your life are kind of like war. You got to be smart. You got to be the general of your own life, whether it's a business or not. So I want to share some of the stories that I know about throughout history that I think are relevant to you and I today that are much more fascinating when you hear them um, told as a story versus the school system ruins it for us by civil wars, 1861 to 1865. You know, World War I is 1918 to, I mean, 1914 to 1918. Anybody here, I'll give 100 bucks if you know the day that the World, World War I ended. It's the year that my grandma was born, she's still alive, 1918. What is the day that it ended? 
June 1st. June 1st. No, that's closer to D-Day for World War II. There you go. Eddie, Eddie's heard me talk on this. November 11th. I'll tell you, first story. First story. And this is an ethical dilemma. I'm going to ask you guys your opinion on was this the right thing to do? Because someone lost their life, probably needlessly. No, so the way World War I started in 1914, it's probably the most important war in history, or at least modern history. We don't realize that because I don't teach much about it in school for some reason. World War I caused a man to get pissed off at the end of it. His name was Adolf Hitler. He vowed that one day he would get his revenge. Almost 20 years later, exactly, not quite 20 years, he started World War II. What, ended, what happened at the end of World War II? We dropped nuclear bombs on Japan. What did that do? That freaked out Russia. What did Russia then do? Start stockpiling nuclear weapons. What did that cause? Something called the Cold War. What did that cause? The, North, the Korean War, which we may end up back in now. See, thing, the reason, and I want to just say this, that I'm doing this podcast episode. I was just listening to Ray Dalio, one of the richest men in history. I think he's worth over $20 billion. He manages hundreds of billions of dollars in a hedge fund that he has. He says the way he figured out how to make so much money, history repeats itself. So he just studies history and then he can tell what to invest in in the future. He understands the trends, you see? And that's worth, hey, who here would study history if you help you make 20 billion? Yeah. See, school system ruined us. No one wants to study history because they don't show us the end results. All the people getting butt hurt that I show, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, jets and all that, you're an idiot. That's all I got to say to you. You don't understand jack squat about Human psychology. Human psychology, you show the reward before you teach. The school system shows the punishment first. Study for a test. Woo! Nothing makes me more excited to want to learn history than to know I get a test at the end. It's like, here, do something painful, and at the end you get something more painful. That's how the modern schools, that's like, here, come in the gym, and at the end you're going to get fatter. Nobody's going to work out then because the gym's pain. No pain, no gain. So imagine if that's how the, the, the gym system was. Look, they put up posters of you when you're fatter. Who come into the gym, work out, it's, and at the end, we're going to give you more pain. No, nobody wants that. You got to show the reward first. I'm just showing my actual life. My actual life, nothing's a set. The Ferraris and Lamborghinis, I, I got them before I ever was on social media. I had my first nice car, Maserati, in 2000, either seven or eight, I can't remember. And then a Ferrari right after. I never posted those on social media. I just like fast cars. I didn't post on uh, fast cars until 2014. I had them for almost seven years. So people say, oh, fake it till you make it. I didn't fake it till I made it. If anything, I made it before I faked it. So back to history. World War I, the most important war. World War I, the most important war because it caused even things that are going on right now with Donald Trump potentially going head to head with North Korea now. Did you see this one auto guy? There was an American citizen just taken prisoner by the North Koreans. By the time we got him out, he was brain dead. They had put him in a coma. God knows what happened. They said he got he got uh, botulism, which is not true. He didn't, very unlikely. So here's the deal. November 11th, the last day of World War I. Now keep in mind, there had been about 75 million casualties. Now here's the nasty thing about World War I. If you were a soldier... For every four soldiers, three of them got killed or injured. How'd you like those odds? All right, guys, there's uh, 20 of us. Uh, 15 of us ain't making it. 
or we're going to lose a part of our face, we're going to lose a leg, we're going to be horribly disfigured. Well, World War I finally comes to an end. There was what's called an armistice, which is basically we surrender. Germany finally signed an armistice. And they did it before November 11th, 1918. And it was for November 11th at 11 in the morning. All people were supposed to stop firing guns until November 11th. But they came to this armistice a little, I think a little under a week before that. So first they signed it and then said, you know, three or four days from now, it goes in effect. There was still army generals forcing their men to attack, even though the war was over, but it wasn't technically over. So here's my question to you, an ethical question to you. What do you do in this situation? There was an American soldier, the last person to die, the last American to die, he died at 1059. His commanding officer told him, charge five minutes before the war was over. What would you have done in that situation? Just keep in mind, if you directly disobey an army officer, your commanding officer, number one, you're breaking your vow to follow the rules. Number two, you could be shot back then. They didn't do it often, but occasionally they would shoot people who disobeyed direct orders. Number three, you know, you could get away with it. But this dude died. Would you, I'm gonna do an informal poll. What would you have done in that situation? Zach. Well, did the general and the soldier both know that it was to end at 11 Absolutely. Everybody knew. Then I would have said, you know, take a hike to the general. But those generals said, it's not over yet. We know it's over, but we still fight. So you would have not done it. No, uh, and, and I think the general would have been, Wait, he could have been, been uh, like, if he, if he tried to, well, I don't know. If he, he said they're going to shoot me. The point is, he was a dick. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have. So you wouldn't have listened to him. I would have. I would have pretended to charge, <laughs> and then when exactly. when he's not looking, I'd I'd turn the corner. I'd like go around somewhere, or I'd trip. Zach and, would fall, pretend he got shot. Yeah. Okay, we know a lot about Zach from this question. Armin, raise your hand here if you would have charged. Would anybody have charged out of duty? <laughs> One, duty. <laughs> four people would have charged. Otherwise, it's chaos. Otherwise, it's chaos. If everyone does whatever they want to do. Who says they would not have charged? Definitely not have charged. I'm putting my hand up. I'm like, put me in jail, bro. This thing's over. <laughs> put me in Leavenworth. But how do you know? Because they signed an armistice. I would have made the argument. It's it's the spirit. We, we adhere to the spirit of the law, not not the letter of the law in that situation. We know it's not literally over, but. Somebody's on an ego stroke. Never do what, or never ask, what is it? Never ask people to do something you yourself are not willing to do. And if that general was sitting up there saying charge with five minutes to go, no. Uh, All right, so here's the the practical lesson in life that I take from this. It's not what you think. Here's a practical lesson that if you understand history, you'll know this will help you make money. There are complete idiots. And you already know this if you're alive on planet Earth. But this will just drive the point home. There are horrific people that you can work for in this world. And everybody, even when you're an entrepreneur, you got somebody who's your boss, you got an employee. I mean, you have your customers, they boss you around, they pay you. So you have to know, I think, what Joel Salatin, my first mentor, told me. I, you know, I was 19 years old, I was there on his farm, he taught me about business, and he would have customers come to the farm to buy chicken and eggs, fresh, like organic type stuff. And one time somebody came and they were just rude. They were just rude. And Joel just said, get out. And, there, and some people 
you'll learn in business that they say the customer is always right. That's what Walmart, Sam Walton invented that saying. And Joel said, I do not believe that. The customer, why is the customer always right? He said, if somebody's an asshole, he doesn't swear, he's a religious guy, but he said, if somebody's a jerk, I don't care how much money they have, get out. And I a little bit run my business that way. There was a guy, there, there's some people, I, there was actually a guy today who tweeted out to me, I should read it. He said, let me read you this Twitter. And some people are like, wow, Ty, you were, this is a paying customer, you replied back. I said, well, Joel Salton told me not every paying customer is profitable. Some are not worth it. Just like not every order somebody tells you should be obeyed. If you look at that lesson of World War I, some orders get you killed. Anyway, so this is what I said to this guy. He said, I just bought Ty's 67 steps. So far, there's no practical advice on how to actually make money. And I said, his name is Kickoff90 on Twitter. I said, <laughs> first off, I can see why you're not successful. You don't pay attention. 67 Steps is about mindset. It's not about making money, okay? And I said, 100, I have 130,000 happy paying customers, though. So you can see there's one guy. When you guys start a business, you can, if you have 130,000 happy people and you get one idiot, don't worry about it. Now, if you get 130,000 angry customers and one happy one, then you have a problem. But then he wrote back, because these things tend to go on and on. He said, oh, actually, it's still on my Twitter. But he said, wait, Ty, you said these are the 67 steps you used to become a millionaire. I said, yes. Think about Scarface. Scarface said, first you get the what? The money. money. Then you get the power. Then you get the woman. He had a progression. You could believe it or not, but that's what Al Pacino said in Scarface. I don't know if it's true, but that's what the, you know, Scarface said. So what I told this guy, I said, first you get the mindset, then you launch the business, then you get the money. See, the 67 steps did help me make a million dollars or much more than that because first they gave me the mindset. Then I took the mindset and I had to understand how to launch a business. That was a separate skill set. And then, and then, only then do you get the reward. This guy wanted to go straight to, Ty, just tell me how to launch a business. I've tried to help people launch a business. If your brain's not on right, you'll always make the bad decisions. I'm not gonna be there to be there and give you every decision. So you need a de decision-making mechanism in your brain, okay? A decision-making mechanism in your brain if you think about it, every part of life is decisions. Some people suck. In fact, scientists have devised a scale called the Hexaco scale, which is 25 human personality attributes. It's way more accurate than Myers-Briggs bullshit. I know all about Myers-Briggs. I just went to a damn certification. It's not that accurate. I'm an ENTP. It's a little, it's about 10% accurate. But what's very accurate, Dr. David Buss, one of the leading evolutionary psychologist. He wrote the textbooks used at Harvard and Yale. And he said, Ty, use the Hexaco scale. So Hexaco has five main personality uh, attributes. And then it has underneath each, it has four or five sub facets. So one of them is called conscientiousness. The only scientifically proven mental mindset attribute that's related to being successful and making money is something called conscientiousness. Now, what is conscientiousness? It's divide, it's underneath conscientiousness, four subdivisions. Now, some scientists have added a fifth one. If you want to write this down, it's very important. She should have told us this in school. Like I said, this is all coming off this lesson of history, which leads to other conversations that I have on my podcast, as you can tell. 
So one of the facets is perfectionism. You ever met somebody you just can never do things with attention to detail? They always got to make, like they can get the big picture, but no detail. You got to be detail oriented when you need to be. That's perfectionism. Number two, organization. You can't be sloppy all the time, especially when it comes to making money. Number three, somebody said mindfulness is greater than conscientiousness. Well, I suggest you listen sometimes, not just give your opinion. I'm telling you what Dr. David Buss told me, and he spent 40 years of his life studying this. Have you done trials and studied tens of thousands of people? No. One thing I don't like about comments, people talk out their ass, do not know what they're talking about based on no, nothing. Mindfulness is semantics because conscientiousness is mindfulness, but it's an actual explanatory way of saying it. Mindfulness is bullshit. What, what does that mean? Focus, that you can meditate, that you can be in the moment? No, a better way is conscientiousness because it explains how to be in the moment. Number one, as I said, perfectionism. Number two, organization. Number three, and this is a very important one, is something called prudence, prudence. Prudence is the ability to make good decisions. We all have a friend. There's two girls they can date, or you know, we got another friend. There's two different guys. One of them's a pure reject, and one of them's awesome. Who are they gonna date? The reject. Who has a friend that always, no matter what, is gonna make the stupidest decision? Two jobs are offered to them. One of them's awesome. One of them's some harebrained, oh man, I can't tell you. I had an employee work for me. I won't say her name. This is years ago, back in like 2013. And now he knows, he looks back. But this guy had, he was working, this is when I moved back to California, had a smaller company, so he was getting to work for me, like with me in person. He wanted to learn from me in person. Now, I have a bigger company, I don't get to spend as much one-on-one -on -one time with individual people. So this dude gets that. He comes to me one day, Ty, I got offered a job. These guys are gonna make a ton of money. They're trying to do what you do. And it wasn't a bad break, I was like, sure, go try it. Sure enough, those other dudes were out of business in three months. And then he's like, can I come back and work for you? And I was like, ah, no, 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 no. I wasn't mad when you left, but every action has an opposite and equal reaction. Why would I let somebody come work, me invest my time on you and you and know that you have no prudence? Anybody comes to you with some harebrained idea, you're gonna leave again. And sometimes you gotta learn the hard way. And I wasn't doing that to be mean to him. That's how I actually felt. Well, prudence is powerful. Some people just don't have that. Maybe you had idiotic parents. A lot of parents suck. I know it hurts people's feelings to hear that, but you know, my grandma told me her, my grandma's father, she grandma's from Germany, he was a psychoanalyst back in the very beginning, like with Freud and, you know, uh, just long time ago, okay? And she said her favorite saying of her dad was, parents are usually the worst thing for their kids. If you go through planet Earth in America, what's the worst thing? What makes most people idiots? Idiotic parents. Like father, like son, like mother, like daughter. And so if you're somebody who grew up and that particular employee or former employee of mine, that former employee of mine had a bad upbringing. And the reason that I didn't bring him back in also is because now that's how you learn prudence. You make a stupid decision one time and it comes back and bites you in the butt. And then the next time a decision comes up, you're like, ah. That's why I say, even though I'm all in favor of how Twitter, everybody complains about stuff, at some point you wanna live in a world where people have personal responsibility. Like you can't coddle everybody. Sometimes you have to coddle people. Sometimes you gotta pay it forward. Sometimes I do giveaways, stuff like that. But sometimes I tell people, tough luck, you gotta do it on your own, you know? And it's a balance that you have to strike. What's very interesting is, you know what politics is all about? It's not about truth. 
It's about personality types. In America, Democrats, for the most part, are people who represent, they're kind of like a mom. A little kid falls and the mom comes and says, oh, are you okay? That's a philosophy that I'm often, of course, sometimes it's the opposite, but let's just stick with traditional gender roles for now without somebody being too butthurt about that. But mothers have more estrogen, by the way. For those of you who want to argue with me scientifically, I did a test, a blood test with my cousin Maya. She has a testosterone of 28. I have testosterone of 1197. So anybody tell you, oh, men and women are the same, uh, do a blood test. Because when I got my cousin's blood test back, I was like, you need to go back. They broke the machine. So we called the lab. They're like, no, that's normal. Women have 28 testosterone. Then her estradiol, which is a measurement of your estrogen in your blood, is like, you know, 14 times higher than mine. So oftentimes, going back to this, mothers, estradiol, by the way, if you take a man and you pump estrogen into him, he becomes more feminine. What do I mean by that? When a little kid falls, a more feminine response is to go, oh, are you okay? Now, if you pump testosterone into anybody, a man or a woman, their voice will get deeper, their muscles grow, and they get meaner. You ever heard of roid rage? You go to a gym, a big dude on steroids, you go, you go punch him in the face, that might be the last thing you do. He might tear you limb from limb because testosterone, when it's pumped in your body, some of these steroid bodybuilders, their test is up in the 2000s, 2200, 2400, makes you more aggressive. So when a little kid falls, the testosterone will oftentimes make the father be like, toughen up, son. And you know what? That's a healthy balance. That's how people should grow up. And so the good news about America and other countries is when you have people who philosophy on politics is more feminine, like Democrats go, we should have meals on wheels, for example. This is a big thing. Donald Trump cut meals on wheels, which provides meals to elderly people who are hungry, okay? The feminine approach, which again, I'm oversimplifying and I'm overgeneralizing, I get it, but just follow the goddamn train of thought if you're not an idiot because it's a smart train of thought if you listen. The more feminine approach is to say, let's help the meals on wheel. The more masculine approach, I'm not saying which one's correct or which one's wrong, I'm just saying more masculine is to go, well shit, you 70 years old, you had 70 years old to save up your money. Why do I have to take my life savings that I'm trying to save up till I'm 70 so I'm not poor? Why do I have to give it to you in form of taxes? And you know what? I see both sides of the equation. Because when you're smart, you see both sides of the equation. When you're an idiot, you go, no, only Democrats are right. Uh, uh. And that's why we have gridlock in Washington. And that's why people can't talk because people are dumb and you can't fix stupid. The answer for where politics comes from is rooted in personality types and things like masculinity, femi femininity. Not necessarily, there are some women who are very masculine, some men who are very feminine. Okay. Yes, as tender will show. As tender, <laughs> and yes. some are both. Some are, you know, masculine, feminine simultaneously. So anyway, going back to this whole kind of rant that I'm doing is that when you begin to become smart, things start to make sense to you. You can make good decisions. Who should you vote for in the last election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton? I mean, a lot of smart people didn't want to vote on either. And I'm kind of like, I get that. If you're smart, it's like, yeah, we got two extreme ones. Donald Trump, I think Donald Trump gets an unfair rap in the media, but I do think he does a lot of stupid stuff. I mean, you just if you have a brain, you know sometimes Donald Trump does stupid stuff. And more often than not. But you also know that Hillary Clinton was a disaster in many ways. And so when you're smart, 
you start seeing through the lies. It's like the matrix. You start under, you're, you're taking a different pill than the rest of the world. You start to understand what's going on in the world. And that allows you, going back to this guy who tweeted to me, talking about the 67 steps, that's what the 67 steps was about. It was about how to understand life. And once you understand life, then you start understanding politics. You start understanding business. You start understanding how to make money. You start understanding who to be around you and who to keep away from you and things like that. So it's time for a break. We're talking about the lessons of history, how you can apply them to success today. Remember Ray Dalio, worth $20 billion, says his secret to making money, easy. He just knows that history repeats itself, so he studies history and he knows what to invest in. It's like technology. Technology is cyclical. It's not cyclical, Zach. People aren't using horses and buggies anymore, <laughs> unless they're Amish. Is fashion cyclical? You got your bell fashion bottoms? Is, yeah, fashion actually is cyclical. Yeah, uh, It's not that cyclical. People ain't wearing Victorian dresses from the hoop dresses from the 1700s. Did you know a common cause of death in the 18, I think it was the 17 or 1800s? Joel Salton just told me this last time I was out there. Trampled by horses. No, women would have those huge hoop dresses and they would be near a fireplace. And they would just be like, la, 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 <laughs> dancing around. And then they would, it would catch on fire and it was so hard to take off that by the time they got off, they were burnt to a crisp. That's what quickly changed fashion. That quickly. So that yeah. fashion is not cyclical. So with this man bun fashion, the moral Thank of you. the story is I should walk around and light them on fire so that guys will stop with this whole acorn haircut thing they got going. It'll, it'll what change about, what the trajectory. It, so I got a question for you on you critiquing other people's fashion. Zach, who is one of your idols in comedy? Uh, I'll say Norm MacDonald. He, he wrote a show you like called Seinfeld. Oh, Jerry Seinfeld, yes. And who else uh, wrote Larry David. Larry, Larry David. Larry David. What does Larry David say about people like you who wear sunglasses inside? He says only two types of people wear sunglasses inside, blind people and assholes. So you're not blind, right? No, no. 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 So what, is that, what, what does that make you? I was actually voted, it's funny, I was voted in high school as most likely to be an asshole. Really? No. <laughs> no, but it, they're prescription. I need them. I, Let me tell I'm you the true story. I'm sensitive to light. I, <clears throat> before we get into history, I want to talk about just a history of about two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, we're talking about, we're talking about prudence and good decision. <laughs> Zach's been my friend since I was 14. And um, so we go to the NBA final game. Game, what was it, five we went to, Armin? Four. Four. We go to game four. We got seats. I got seats, two sets. One behind LeBron James, one behind Steph Curry in Golden State. We fly out to Cleveland. We get out there to Cleveland. Zach comes along because Zach likes basketball. So we get out there, da-da-da get in the night before. Next day we wake up. Boy, this is going to be a good, good game. Zach goes, I'm going to watch the game, then I got to head back. I got some people visiting me in Los Angeles. Okay, so we got them a flight to go home the, ne- the day after the game. So the game comes, boom. We thought it might be the final game. It might be a sweep. Golden State, the first team in history to sweep through the NBA finals. But no, Golden State went nuts. They hit more. They had 40, was it 49 Cleveland or, I mean, Cleveland went nuts. 49 or 50 points. 49 in the first 49, quarter. in fact, my snaps got on the snap story. I got uh, 6 million views on my Snapchat because it was me behind the, the bench going, 
And then right when I was recording, who was it? It was one. Um, it was David West from Golden State, big ass, stood up in front of me. <laughs> and so you can see I'm filming this big six foot. What is he? Six and nine. Javel, they both. And Javel McGee. They stood up. Anyway, so we're on the snap story. One of my snaps got two or three million. There was three of them got on the official snap story. It was like six to nine million views. So it was a good game when Golden State loses and it's going back. So next day, I wake up and Zach had already left, headed back to L.A. We were continuing on to New York City. So I get a, a text from Maya, my cousin who was with us. She's like, Zach missed his flight. Oh, okay. He missed his flight. Okay, it's not a big deal. You catch another flight. Get another text a few minutes later. Zach's on a train. <laughs> he missed the flight and took a 55-hour train instead of just getting another flight. Not because he wanted to go on a train, but because Zach thought that he couldn't get on another plane because he had lost his ID. But when you have good prudence, as we were talking about, decision-making ability, you don't get stopped at the first obstacle. You know that if you lose your ID, you can tell them you lost your ID. They'll do an a secondary way of screening you. Literally, the TSA will check your like Facebook. And Zach doesn't look like Zach looks all American. Let's just face it here. And we know the TSA is probably a little bit racist, just to be honest. Okay, Zach's the whitest man in America. He That's why I grow out my Taliban beard to. You have a red beard. You have a red beard. They're never thinking you are ISIS. So. Instead of Zach, and by the way, his train ride, <laughs> was he booked it last minute so they didn't have a sleeper. So he got to sit up straight like this for 55 oh, hours. Lean back. It leans back It leans back. Yeah, it's like an airplane. He got to lean back. He's having neck problems at the end. He lands in, he lands in L.A. Time my neck doesn't feel good. Well, 55 hours. I got a hemorrhoid. One of my favorite stories, not to belabor this point, but this is funny. Zach is afraid of airplanes. I, I've helped any of you who have. Well, not specific. Like, I don't see them, and I'm not afraid of an airplane. I don't run if I see one. You're afraid of I don't of like crashing. to fly. I, yeah, I don't want to fly. Okay, yes. Thank you for the technical precision. He is not afraid of the machine called an airplane. <laughs> He's afraid of getting in one and going up there. So Zach goes, he says to me, this is a few years ago. It was cool. I remember this because I got tickets to the red carpet. We got to see the premiere. What movie was it? Interstellar? Interstellar. Interstellar. This is 2014, I think. December 2014. So Zach goes, I'm going back to Texas for Christmas. I go, okay, you're going to fly back? No, I'm going to take the train. Why? <laughs> I'm afraid of a plane. First of all, probably more people die in a train than a plane. Because have you ever seen the people on a train? These are, these are mass murderers and on the <laughs> Greyhound bus. <laughs> so Zach, so anyway, Zach has to leave early. Mass, you didn't even get to- Mass murderers. Remember on the Greyhound bus? <laughs> a guy a chopped on a Greyhound bus a few years ago. I used to live with the Amish when I was young and they don't take airplanes, so they would take the bus. A guy started chopping people's heads off in a Greyhound bus. Which is why I don't take Greyhound, I do the train. <laughs> the Am Amish, you know, the Amish live a very sheltered life. They're awesome people in my experience. And the Could Amish- you? Poor Amish. The Amish, they their experience, no, their experience of non-Amish people is Greyhound bus people. So a lot of people go, <laughs> a lot of people go, do the Amish kids grow up and want to leave the Amish? I'm like, no, they go on a Greyhound bus and they look around, <laughs> people chopping my fucking heads off and all this stuff. But anyway, so Zach, didn't you have to leave early? You didn't get to see the whole Interstellar, right? Right. So he right, gets right, the, right. he misses. We're in there with only the media seeing Interstellar. Zach takes the train. During the movie, I get a text, and I'm like, what is it? Or right after the movie, I think it was. 
He goes, Ty, I think I might have made a mistake. And it's a picture <laughs> of a man with no shirt on. A large. No pants on, about 300 pounds overweight, sweating, and literally had his man boobs. And he's sitting next to Zach and had taken, it was hot apparently in the, in the train. <laughs> so my boy took all his clothes off and Zach got to spend, how did he smell then, Zach? And then did he smell not it? only that, so his shirt was off and he proceeded to eat two cheeseburgers <laughs> and a pizza. <laughs> All by himself. And he had just had open heart surgery, I think, three weeks prior to that. Or like just gotten out three weeks prior to and that from all, open all heart I, surgery. All I could think was, <laughs> hey, man, you play with fire, you get burned. You go on the train. So the moral of the story is well, Zach's decision-making skills. Well, no, well, the, the whole thing about uh, the ID, who in here who heard Ty explain you don't need your ID to fly, that they'll do secondary type of checks, knew that before Ty but said But who anything. here wouldn't have asked and would have instantly my gotten whole on a train? Life, my whole life, every time I board, they go, I need to see your ID. So I just thought uh, you have to have ID to fly. It made sense to me. Is it not? Okay, just to play devil's advocate, I see kind of Zach's story, but not, uh, side story, not really. Has anybody, <laughs> has anybody ever heard of the concept of... Asking. <laughs> you're at the airport. You went through. You you are there. In Zach, here's my impersonation of Zach. Do you have your ID? He looks through, doesn't see it. <laughs> Turns away, walks off. I don't even Never answer. To return. I don't even answer. <laughs> they to give them the answer. chance to say, but you don't need it. But sir, wait, wait. Uh, so here's my theory on Zach, and and then we can get back to history in a second. Zach needs a wife. So if any of you, I just saw, I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet by 50 Cent. It's funny. It's a little bit offensive, but I'm going to say it anyway because I didn't say it. 50 Cent said, I'm going to get me one of them foreign wives. He goes, they got low expectations. Oh, a nice clean glass of water. <laughs> so Zach, my advice to Zach, and no offense to people not from America because I love to travel. My grandma's not from America. My grandpa's not from America. Zach needs a woman to take care of him. Because in the last month, Zach has lost his glasses, okay? No, they broke. No, they broke. So what would any other human do in this room <laughs> if you lost your glasses? Here's what Zach goes, well, I got to schedule an appointment. And it'll take a few weeks for the optometrist to get me. And I said, no, you don't. You just go to any <laughs> lens crafter, and they have doctors in there that just do it. Zach didn't know that. So he's been wearing sunglasses in movies, and he's complaining that he doesn't understand the movie storyline. He's like, I got lost. I don't understand. He's in a horror movie. You know how they're always dark? He's like, I just didn't get that movie. <laughs> I had to elbow somebody and go, who said that? <laughs> no, so he lost his glasses, didn't know he could do that. He lost his pa – didn't you lose your passport? Yeah. He's lost his passport. He's lost his driver's <laughs> license now. What else did you just re – oh, yesterday we went to see – we went to see a movie. We saw Despicable Me 3 with his mom. Sure enough, come back at 2 in the morning. What's the text on my phone? Uh, have you seen my house keys? <laughs> he lost his keys. I found them, by the way, They're, but I didn't have them at 2 in the morning. Who has a friend like Zach? I need to know. Besides Zach. <laughs> Besides Zach. Zach doesn't count. I'm going to talk about a very controversial one, and I'm reading a book on the story of the Vietnam War. Now, Vietnam, let me put this Vietnam War in perspective. The Vietnam War, by the way, is an outgrowth of World War I, which is now, an and then came in World War II, is all a continuation of the same war. If you want to understand, it, it, today, North Korea 
with Donald Trump is a continuation of World War I. Who knows what happened in 1917 in the world? The revolution in Russia. The revol you know why? Because what was the name of that revolution? The communist revolution. What is North Korea? What is China? What is Russia even now? Not so much so. Now Russia's a complicated hybrid of God knows what you would call it there. But China is still a real communist country. North Korea is a dictatorship slash communist. So 1917, you had the, the Bolshevik Revolution where you had the Reds and the Whites. The Reds were the communists and the Whites were the old guard, they called them, of the Russian who were like old school of the, night, of the 1800s. And they came together and they fought and they won. And a man came out of that by the name, well, first was Lenin. Okay, you probably heard of Lenin. Not John Lennon from the Beatles, okay? Lenin, and then you had two other men who were under Lenin, and their name was Trotsky and Stalin. There was other people. In fact, Trotsky was at the beginning above this guy. Now, if you don't know anything about Stalin, two men have killed more people than anybody in history. The answer is Mao Zedong in China. Mao Zedong probably killed 100 million people under his regime. Hitler killed maybe under 10. Number two is Stalin is theorized. No one knows exactly how many people Stalin killed. Biggest force killed people in history of modern times is communism, even though there's many people who would advocate that communism was on the right track, although many people would say it wasn't. Mao Zedong killed the most people in history, a solid 60 to 100 million people. Joseph Stalin was number two. He's a Sagittarius. Who here is Sagittarius? We got, we got one. You got ice in your blood. Who else? He looks like a young Stalin. What was Adolf Hitler? What astrology sign was Adolf? Just Aries. The, Adolf Hitler's technically a Taurus. He was born on April 20th on the cusp. Why do I like astrology? Because I can remember everybody's damn birthday because I use association memory techniques that make, and people go, oh, you're smart. You believe in astrology? I'm smarter than you because I bet you can't remember Adolf Hitler's birthday or Joseph Stalin's. See, you got to learn how to use your memory, which is association techniques. You associate. It's too hard to remember dates. It's easier to remember stories. So Adolf Hitler's on the cusp. He's a Taurus. But we're talking about why you need to know this. Why does it matter? What they should have taught us in school is how to use history to your advantage to be able to tell the future so you can make more money and not make so many mistakes. Ray Dalio, $20 billion net worth. How does he pick what he invests in? He says, I study history. So I'm reading his book about Vietnam. And by the way, that's the byproduct of what happened in 1917. Bolshevik revolution starts, guess what? 50 years later, 1967, the late 60s and the early 70s, America is in this conflict with, war, with Vietnam. Now, well, tell me if you knew this. Why did America not go full crazy ass on Vietnam and drop more bombs? America dropped more bombs on Vietnam than all of World War II that we dropped on all Germany and all the Pacific theater, Japan, everything. Why didn't we drop even more? And China didn't want people on their border, so Russia was somewhat back. Russia supplied the arms. So here's what happened. The Viet Cong, which was Northern Vietnam, they said, guess what we're about to do? We're gonna surprise the Americans. On the day of the Tet Offensive, which is a big holiday for the Vietnamese, we will attack every single city simultaneously, every American base from within. They smuggled arms in, and guess what? That Tet Offensive was nasty, and 
it basically got America out of there. And the interesting thing about this book, oh yeah, let me try to find the book here. It's called, if you wanna read it, this is only for people really into history. Can you guys scroll through my Snapchat and see if you find it? It's one of a couple books. It's from the other side of the story. And one thing that's hard to do, and it's the mark of an intelligent person, is to be able to see both sides of the story. Why do I hate politics? Because everyone who likes Donald Trump only argues Donald Trump's side of the story. Everybody loves Hillary Clinton, Democrats, Bernie Sanders. They only, they're so small-minded, they can't expand their mind and see the other side of the story. And Charlie Munger, one of the guys I look up to, the billionaire business partner, and one of the, Bill Gates says he's the smartest person he's ever met. He says, you're not allowed to take a position in an argument until you can argue the other side better than they can. See, if you wanna be a badass, you be able to argue the Donald Trump side better than the Trump fans can. And if you're a Hillary Clinton or Democrat or, or you know, Bernie Sanders fan, you should be able to argue, I'm sorry, if you're a Trump fan, you should be able to argue for Bernie Sanders or Hillary. It's a mental exercise. We got all these people trying to get six packs. We got P motherfucking 90X. We got all this. Where's the people with big brains? Because the hardest exercise you can do in weights is lift a lot of weight. Do something that's hard. What is, uh, what's the, Ronnie Coleman says, everybody wants to be big, but not everybody wants to live motherfucking heavy weights. Rome, you saw him yesterday on my snap. He can lift heavy weights. He's out here repping 500 pounds on a bench press and he's got big muscles. Well, same with brain power. We got people with no brain power. They only see their limited worldview and they can't expand. So this book is fascinating because it shows you, it's not completely on the Vietnam side, but it shows why the Vietnamese fought so hard because America was out here slaughtering people. At one point, we were on like a 200 to one ratio. One American soldier would be killed. We would kill 200 North Vietnamese, Viet Cong, villagers, all these people, and they wouldn't give up. And here's why. And Lyndon Johnson was not a student of history. George W. Bush also was not a great student of history. Another guy that didn't know history and got his butt kicked was Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein didn't know that if you mess with a man from Texas, uh, he might shoot you. And he ended up hanging from a rope. Now, George W. Bush didn't understand, on the flip side, George W. Bush didn't understand, do not have a land war in Middle East. His father, I like George W. Bush. Herbert. Herbert, George H., thank you. George W. Bush didn't study enough. George H. Bush, he had a war. It's called the first Gulf War. What did he do? He took Colin Powell. He said, we get in and out of this bitch in a month. And they got in and they whooped people and they got out. Because he had studied history, the Russians went into Afghanistan. Man, I was reading stories. The Russians, you know, America gave the Afghanistanis these special rockets called stingers. You could put them on your arm and you could shoot down. I think they were either heat-seeking or radar. I think maybe heat-seeking. These huge like Chinook type, they weren't Chinook, that's an, that's an American helicopter. This is not a good connection for the future. And so the, the, the helicopters that the Russians had, they had these huge transport. They'd have 50 guys in there and they'd be going through the Afghanistan uh, valleys and one dude would sit there, boom, and shoot them out of the sky. America was supplying them to them. America was fighting back at Russia through the Afghanistanis. Okay. So George W. Bush studied the history and said, Russia got their ass kicked by these Afghanistani villagers. America didn't get the memo. And I don't mean to discredit any of the veterans and people who have lost their lives because you were following orders and you were doing what, what was best 
you know, and, and I, I salute that. I salute the troops. But I also know that president's got to make good decisions because if not, a lot of people die. And George H. Bush in the first Gulf War, what year was that, 01? 91. 91, sorry, 91. Thank you, Zach's great with the years. Uh, in 91, almost no Americans died. We went in, I mean, it was, they say that in that battle, not one Iraqi airplane even warmed up their engines. We had jets sitting up there and hit them from six, uh, 35 miles. Well, the second the heat seeking, you know, the engine turned on, and no one died. I mean, except the Iraqis, okay? Well, we came, not being a student of history, George W. Bush, it's a big deal. A lot of people lost their lives. There's a lot of disabled veterans. And I don't know if it was right or wrong, but I do know if you're the president, you need to know history. And if you're a citizen, and especially for all of you watching, because you want to know how to make money, you know how you make money? You invest also in foreign stocks. If you know nothing about history, you don't know what to invest in. Cite my sources? Are you asking me, did George H. Bush start a war <laughs> and end it very quickly? And you want me to cite the sources? Wikipedia and Google. <laughs> I'll cite a source, history. Yeah, <laughs> this dude, <laughs> cite a source. Okay, um, anyway, here's the lesson that's practical for you and I. In Vietnam, this book that I'm reading, the reason America was never gonna win is because the Vietnamese had been bullied by the French for 50 years before America ever stepped foot in there. And so one of every single North Viet Cong person had already lost their grandfather and uncle to foreign invaders. So they were pissed off. So when America came in, they took all their anger against the French and they said, we will never give up. And they didn't. And we had to leave. So study history so you don't make stupid decisions. If Zach had studied history, he would have known <laughs> that he needs to marry a foreign bride. I like how you brought that around Full circle. 45 minutes later. <laughs> I completely moved on. Yeah, so thank you for all of you watching. If this is interesting for you, leave me a podcast review. I know there's no podcast like the one I'm doing. Is there, Ben, any podcast like this? Any podcast out there named Ty Lopez Podcast? Anything <laughs> at all? Somebody said you wrote the Wikipedia page. That's your source. I, wrote the Wikipedia. <laughs> I literally wrote that America won the first Gulf War quickly. All the hundreds of thousands of veterans that went through that aren't good enough testimony for this guy. Uh, you meet people with hoax. People are like, how do you know man was on the moon? Okay, well, we got a lot of video. Arms, you know, people went to the damn moon and came back. No, they could all be lying. Were you there, Ty? Do you believe China exists? Yes. Why? You ain't never been there. You can't use that. Conspiracy theorists crack me up because they're like, I won't believe it unless I see it. You invent a time machine and then you can prove it or else you're gonna have to take other people's word for it a little bit. Okay, someone said you should be my business teacher. Do I believe myself? No, sometimes I'm wrong and sometimes I'm right, but I'll tell you what'll make you right more often than not. Read, study smart people who know what they're talking about and then you can absorb their material into your brain. Yeah, the earth is flat. The earth is not flat. There's the earth, you think the earth is flat? Let me tell you why I know the earth's not flat. No, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna blow this theory. Just let, let me. Did you know, here's another history thing. I forget which physicist centuries ago proved things like the world isn't flat and that it revolves. He shot a cannonball straight up in the air and it, it landed in a different place, not back on his own head. Things are moving, the earth is revolving.
Come on, man. It wasn't the wind. It was a damn cannonball. You could... I got a question for you, and this is the final one. I'm going to give 100 bucks to the first person who correctly answered. This one's going to go quick. This one's going to go quick. Somebody said it. It shot him in the crotch. Yeah. No, it shot straight up in the air. Okay, question for you. You go to the top of a building, the Empire State Building. You have, and we're assuming it's completely non-windy. You have a penny, or let's say, let's say you have a rock this big, and you have a 500-pound weight. You drop them. Which hits the ground first? Ready? Go. There we go. Right there. YouTube, Kevin Gill. Sheesh. People got to get with it on these other ones. The answer is they hit the ground at the same time. You know that, Pete? Here's, this is why I want to tell you this funny story. Did you know people argued over that and were going to hang people? <laughs> this is like in the fourth. And then one guy just did it. Anybody could have done it. <laughs> one guy, they go, no, they argued over it. No, it's not possible. One will hit. And then one guy just went, nope. And they landed at the same time. Everybody was like, oh. That's how I feel like the world is. People will argue with you. People will argue with you. And then you just show them. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, five minutes ago, you were the most sure <laughs> you person. You were willing to hang you, man. To, yeah. Excommunicate me from the Catholic Church. Uh, okay. Thank you for being on episode two. Guess what? We ain't over. Because I like to record all my podcasts at once. And this going on SoundCloud, iTunes. Leave me a review when this comes out. You guys watching live, you're watching it ahead of everybody. But uh, yeah, okay. If you want the chance to enter into one of my free giveaways, here's all you have to do. Number one, subscribe to my podcast. And then secondly, leave an honest review of my podcast. What do you think of it? All right, I pick random reviewers to win either an iPhone 7, a GoPro Black, a MacBook Air, iPad, Kindle. And then I've been doing these uh, once a month free car giveaways, giving away a Mustang or Camaro to one random social media follower, podcast followers are entered into that too. So you'll get your free chance to enter. Just leave an honest review and make sure you subscribe to my podcast. All right. I hope you win one of the giveaways. Talk to you soon. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever it is you like to listen so that you don't miss out on any new episodes as they come out. 